Hi. Ha! Punny. Oh, right. Ah. Hi, Hi, Katie. Blaze it for twenty. Hey. All right. Hello, Katie. Hello, Ari. How you doing? Hanging in there. How are you? Good, good, good. Stuffed from the food we just ate. Oh, so full. Very good, very good. So um, full. Let's see. We are on episode 41. 41. Yep. And uh, we have a theme for this episode. It's our very special 420 Blazin' episode. Hey. <laughs> yes, because today is 420. Blaze it. Get your weed out. Time to puff, puff. I don't smoke weed. We only condone it in places where it is totally legal. Yes. For the record. Yes. Uh Hundred. Yes. 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 Definitely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Um. Do you have a woman crush? Well, so I guess I'm gonna shout out Britney Spears again because she's pregnant and that's wonderful for her. Because. When I clicked open the news, I clicked open the news like three times today, and it was like, mm, sad things happening, mm, terrible things happening, oh. mm, horrible things happening, mm, the world is on fire. And then it was like, but Britney Spears is pregnant. And I was Yay! Like, okay, good that's good. Her. That's good. <laughs> and she seems happy about it. Yeah. I love, now that she's free, her, like, rants on well, they're Instagram, just, they're I love it. they of consciousness. They are. When was the last time she ever had to write something? Yeah. When she was like... 13 probably yeah and, then and i she's love a her like star emoji they, you know, uses yeah yeah it's cute I just, it's adorable I think she's a delight i'm so she happy is. she's free i'm excited for baby number three yeah well maybe Yay. it'll be a girl and it'll be a little baby Brittany. Ah. right ah. only if it. she wants to be well yeah yeah <laughs> i just meant like um like we'd have another like oh, a little, little tiny Brittany Brittany. Lookalike yeah around. that'd be adorable yeah, no. love it i'm not gonna force my ideas and goals <laughs> onto a child that's not even born yet i was picturing a toddler singing britney spears but <laughs> <laughs> um yeah other than that i think we're ready to go into this episode we have I'm very really excited very interesting good like good bitches and bad bitches you wouldn't expect to be Good or bad, I feel like, right? I think yours is definitely a shock. Yeah. Mine, once you hear the story, it's a very, very uh, clear why she's the 420 good bitch. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Yeah, I'm ready to get into it. With that, happy 420. Blaze it. Katie? I'll take it take away. Take it away. <laughs> <laughs> so, I am really excited to tell you my story because we wanted to keep it. You know, relatively 420 themed. Yeah, happy 420. And I found this woman, and her name alone was enough, but her story is incredible. So I'm going to tell you about, and I shit you not, Mary Jane Rathbun. Her (laughs) name is Mary Jane. Her mother named her Mary Jane. Exceptional. Love it. So. And she has to do with weed, I'm assuming. Yes, we'll get to it. All right, I'm loving it. So she Let's was go. born December 22nd, 1922, making her a Capricorn, which we love to see, mm-hmm. um, in Chicago, Illinois. Uh, her mother was a conservative Irish Catholic, and she went to Catholic school in Minneapolis, Minnesota. It seems like Mary didn't particularly care for this, as there's at least one account of, at the age of 13, her fighting back after a nun tried to cane her. Oh. Uh, so good for her. Yeah. We shouldn't, you know, even if you're religious, you still shouldn't hit kids. I mean, like, you, you shouldn't hit kids, and yeah. nuns are scary. Yeah. Like, yeah. Nuns are very scary. <laughs> anyway, she left home when she was a teenager and worked as a waitress and was uh, a social justice activist. Um, she also considered herself an atheist and an anarchist. Ooh. Um, So she went from Chicago to Wisconsin to fight for the rights of minors to form unions. Um, In the 1940s, she fought for abortion rights back in Minneapolis. Um, And then in World War II, she went to San Francisco, where she apparently helped out the United Service Organization, or the USO. Now, at a USO dance, she met her short-term husband. Um, In fact, it was so short-term that the Wikipedia didn't even list his name. (laughs) They divorced pretty quickly, but they did have a daughter together in 1955, uh, Peggy. 
After the divorce, Mary and Peggy moved to Reno, but tragedy struck in the early 1970s, and Peggy was killed by a drunk driver. Oh, my gosh. Um, So after this tragic loss, Mary moved back to San Francisco. So she's back in San Francisco in 1974. She's 52 at this point, and she meets Dennis Perrone. Now, Dennis was a businessman and an activist who ended up being a big supporter for the legalization of marijuana. In fact, the two of them met and apparently shared a joint, like, when they first met. That was their first, like, <laughs> That's bonding. a good bonding experience with any good friend. It, it's fair. I mean, like, that's how we kind of bonded. It, Not it that is. we never, ever smoked weed. We are we are good girls. I yeah. smoke weed. It's legal. I don't care that people know that I smoke weed at this point. It's legal. Um... Anyway, she starts to work as a waitress at IHOP, and to pad her income, she starts baking and selling weed brownies. Which, I've also had your weed brownies, and they're phenomenal. Uh, Yeah, they knock you on your ass. Yeah. Oh, also, (laughs) I really actually appreciate when you made the strawberry... The cake cookies? Oh my god, those uh-huh. are so good. Um, smoothies uh. are also great with mm. a little bit of weed good oil in them. Yeah. Good to know future reference. Yeah. <laughs> um, so she's making and selling brownies out of her home, and she becomes known around uh, the Castro District, which is where she's living, as the lady with magical brownies mm. in the sailor's mouth. <laughs> and she gets so good at making them that by the early 1980s, She's making roughly 50 dozen brownies a day. Wow. So, like, 600 brownies Holy a day. Holy shit. Um, now, she actually advertises her magically delicious brownies all over San Francisco bulletin boards. We have another baker, good bitch, uh-huh. that I've just realized. And um, this, unfortunately, leads to the authorities figuring out what's going on. Oh. And on January 14th, 1981... Her home is raided by police, oh. where they find over 18 pounds of weed, oh. 54 brownies, and some other drugs, unknown variety. Okay. Apparently, when she opened the door for the cops, she said, I thought you guys would be coming. <laughs> <laughs> so she's arrested for the first time at the age of 57. Wow. And the media gives her the nickname Brownie Mary. Oh, She pleads guilty to nine counts of possession and is given three years probation and assigned 500 hours of community service. One of the places she devoted a lot of her time to while doing this community service was the Shanty Project, which was a human service agency created by Dr. Charles Garfield to provide support and guidance to people dealing with HIV and AIDS. According to Dennis Perrone, her business activist friend, Mm -hmm. Uh, and I quote, those first 500 hours, she worked at a variety of places, from the gay thrift store to the Shanti Project, doing her community service in record time, 60 days. Although wow. no longer obligated to do community service, she continued her work for St. Martin de Poor's Soup Kitchen until 1982, when mm-hmm. she joined the Shanti Project, which was responding to the demands of the emerging AIDS crisis. Mary had lost her only daughter in an auto accident, and now she adopted every kid in San Francisco as her own. Oh. So um, sweet. In fact, when I was telling JP this story, uh, we started rewatching um, Avatar, and he was like, "Oh, so she's the Uncle Iroh of weed." Oh, yeah. Um, and I love that. Love that. It's very accurate. So Mary's brownie customers ended up being largely gay men, and when people first started coming down with AIDS, she noticed that the weed brownies helped with wasting syndrome. She also found that to be true for cancer patients. What is that? Um, so basically when you start wasting away. Oh, wasting away, literally. Yes, oh, yeah. okay, that's... Oh, wow, damn. So she realizes this. It helps with the, the pain of it? Or? Um, it helps to get their appetite back a little bit. Oh. Because um, weed gives you munchies. Yeah. Um, and it helps to relieve pain. Yeah. Um, and so... Probably helps them sleep. And she finds stuff. this out, and people start donating weed and money to Mary. And huh. she uses most of her social security money... And she bakes it all into brownies and starts giving them out free of charge to sick people. Mm, That's so sweet. So on December 7th, 1982, Mary was walking to her friend's house. Uh, Her friend had cancer and was dealing with chemotherapy side effects. And so Mary had a big bag of brownies for her. Unfortunately, 
she bumps into the same cop that had arrested her the first time. Oh, no. And he asks to check her bag. Uh, and they find four dozen pot brownies. Oh, uh, no. So she's arrested for the second time and taken to the city jail, where she's held on multiple counts of possession and violating her parole. Damn. Thankfully, these charges were later dropped by the DA. Um, and then in 1984, Mary starts to volunteer at the San Francisco General Hospital, helping in the AIDS ward. She was so wonderful that the ward awarded her the Volunteer of the Year Award in 1986. Aww. Then, by the early 1990s, ACT UP, um, or the AIDS Coalition to Unleash Power, um, they've been working to stop the AIDS epidemic, and Perone speaks at a meeting about the beneficial effects of weed. Mm -hmm. But everyone's, like, really skeptical about it. Because, see, at the time, cannabis was classified under Schedule 1 of the Class Substances Act, as a drug that, quote, has no currently accepted medical use in treatment in the United States. <sighs> so users were subjected to arrest. Yeah. But Perone asks Mary to come and speak at another meeting, where she attests to all of the positive effects she's seen firsthand thanks to her brownies. And people are still kind of skeptical, but they're much more willing to listen. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mary ends up helping to work on Proposition P, which made it the policy of the city of San Francisco to recommend that the state of California and the California Medical Association make cannabis available for medicinal purposes and to protect physicians from penalties for prescribing medicinal cannabis. Oh. This proposition, with the support of 79% of San Francisco voters, passed on November 5th, 1991. Nice. Okay. Then comes 1992. Which is a busy year for Mary. Not a busy year for us, though, because we weren't alive yet. Uh, no, no, not, <laughs> not quite. Um, but shortly after JP was born, on July 19th... JP was real busy pooping his pants then. JP was real busy screaming, I bet. Yeah. Because um, on July 19th, which is six days after he was born, oh, yeah. uh, 1992, Mary was arrested for the third time Damn. when she was 69... Huh, huh. Nice. Nice. Um, while adding weed to her brownie batter at a grower's home. She was charged with, with possession of 2.5 pounds of weed, and her case ended up coming into the national spotlight. Uh, people knew about the case, People, the people v. Rathbun. She pled not guilty to two counts of felony marijuana possession, and her defense used the same reasoning used in the 1976 United States v. Randall case, medical necessity. Uh -huh. They said, and I quote, her deliveries were made to assist others in need, not to advance individual greed, and that the nobility of her actions outweighed the reprehensibleness of her offense according to the law. Now, Mary reportedly mm -hmm. said of this, and I quote, my kids need this, and I'm ready to go to jail for my principles. I'm not going to cut any deals with them. If I go to jail, I go to jail. Hell yeah. The next month, good for all, her. she was acquitted of all, all the charges. Oh, good, good. And so the next month, she testified to the benefits of medical cannabis at a hearing held by the San Francisco Board of Supervisors. And they not only recognized Mary's volunteer work by declaring August 25th Brownie Mary Day, <laughs> um, but they passed a resolution making the arrest and prosecution of those growing or possessing medical weed as lowest priority. Wow. What day was this? March? Uh, August 25th. August 25th. So remember that. We'll remember to you have some weed brownies that day. <laughs> <laughs> um, Make an alarm on your phone now. Yeah, right. <laughs> I better have some the, weed brownies by then, Katie. I'll do what I can. Um, the next month, she joined ACT UP DC to protest the medical cannabis policies of the George H.W. Bush administration. Mm -hmm. See, the head of the United States Public Health Service, uh, who at the time was James <clears throat> O. Mason, decided to terminate, after 14 years, the Compassionate Investigational New Drug Program, or the Compassionate IND Program. This had been put in place by the Carter administration um, after the United States versus Randall um, arguing medical necessity. Mm -hmm. And basically, it allowed people with life-threatening conditions to test out unapproved drugs and treatments when there weren't any other options. Mm -hmm. So, like, if they couldn't get into, like, a clinical research trial, mm -hmm. it gave them the option of, like, okay, like, we don't know that this will help you, but 
you're gonna die if you don't do it anyway, so... Yeah. You're gonna die yeah. whether yeah. you take this drug or not, so... Um, okay. okay, So, but James Mason terminated that. Oh. He also made some controversial comments about the program, including arguing that people who used pot brownies, uh, quote, might be less likely to practice safe sexual behaviors. What? So... The okay. fuck? Um, Mary ended up in protesting outside of uh, D.C., inviting him to, quote, follow me around for two days as I visit my kids in the wards and then see where he stands on this. Did he visit? Prob- I don't think so. Probably not. Doesn't no. seem like it. I tried to find things, but a lot of the articles that I clicked on, I couldn't access because they were so old I had to, like, pay for them or, you know. Uh-uh-uh. It, it, was, it was weird trying to find some of the articles on this specific thing. Oh, uh, okay. But... I couldn't find out. Probably not. He was an old guy that didn't like drugs. Yeah. So, you know. Um, But also in 1992, she and Perone opened up the first medical cannabis dispensary in the United States in San Francisco. So, 92, she's arrested for the third time. She protests in D.C. She opens the first medical cannabis dispensary. Busy woman. She's, you know, almost 70, and she's... You know, crushing it. I'm loving it. Now, by 1996, Mary's starting to hurt because she's old and she's lived a life. She's 73. She survived colon cancer. She was living with COPD, osteoarthritis. She had artificial knees. Damn. She's lived a life. Yeah. She doesn't bake anymore. Um, But she does help her own campaign on behalf of California Proposition 215, an initiative that would allow patients with a physician's recommendation to cultivate and use cannabis. This ended up passing with over 55% of the vote. Nice. That said, Mary's still struggling. Mm. Uh, so much so that apparently she told Perone she considered visiting uh, Jack Kevorkian to help her out. Kevorkian was the assisted suicide guy. Oh, right. Um, so she doesn't end up going that route. <sighs> Um, but in August 1998, she suffers a bad fall that requires neck and spine surgery. And she ends up being confined to a bed in a nursing home. Less than 10 months later, on April 10th, 1999, Mary Jane Rathbun had a heart attack and passed away at the age of 76. Damn. A candlelight vigil was held in her honor a week later on April 17th, and about 300 people gathered to honor her. No. Uh, her friend and district attorney, Terrence Hallinan, said to the gathered crowd that Mary was a hero that would, and I quote, one day be remembered as the Florence Nightingale of the medical marijuana movement. Oh, love that. Um, now, I love she, that her name is Mary Jane. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that makes this whole story even better. Um, she was written about in Carol Pogash's book, um, As Real As It Gets, The Life of a Hospital at the Center of the AIDS Epidemic. Oh. Um, her volunteer time and, you know, all the effort yeah. she put in. Uh-huh. Um, and she was the face of the medical marijuana movement for a long time. Um, and having that, like, kind grandmother face, mm-hmm. um, people have given her credit for the change in opinions of the people in San Francisco, at least. Oh, cute. Um, for getting it to go as far as it did, for, you know, the acceptance of it. Mm-hmm. And she just spent her life helping other people. I love that. And her name was Mary Jane, and she sold pop brownies, and <laughs> it's just delightful. <laughs> I love that for her. She right. sounds she just, she like was, a great She was the lady. Uncle Iroh of, yeah. of pop brownies. Yeah. She didn't use tea. She used a different green. But, yeah. But, you know. You know. You know. She lost her child and adopted every other kid and Aww. wanted to make them feel better. So cute. So sweet. And that's Mary Jane Rathbun, and I love her. I love her, too. I love that whole story. That's so cute. Right? I love that. I, I wish... I don't smoke weed anymore as much, but... You know, she makes me want to smoke weed. Blaze it for Mary. <laughs> yeah. If it's 420, <laughs> blaze it for Mary. All right, Katie. So, um, you had a really good bitch. I did. And I have a bad bitch that I don't think a lot of people would, like, if I said her name, you wouldn't necessarily be like, that's a bad bitch. I know, because I am so jealous that you got this story. 
I'm not jealous. <laughs> this is one of the hardest, I'm telling you, the hardest researches. I've been working on this for like a week straight trying to figure out. Well, so I I had so much fun with my, as terrible as she was, my Phyllis Schlafly takedown. Yeah, you would have loved this. <laughs> um, I wanted to do another one. Yeah, you would have. But, uh, you, know. you would have killed this story because I was struggling hard. I like, I like it just... She stole something. She's bad. She <laughs> murdered somebody. She's bad. This is going to be a lot of... Okay, well, I'm just going to get into it because I can't Bring it <laughs> avoid on. it forever. <laughs> um, I am doing Nancy Reagan. Mm-hmm. So maybe you might know, maybe you're sitting in your car or wherever you are now and go, Nancy Reagan? Really? You think? So let's get into it. Uh-huh. Born Anne Frances Robbins in Uptown Manhattan, because of course she would be. <laughs> <laughs> she hasn't even done anything wrong yet. Starting like, the cells already. <laughs> um, on July 6, 1921, making her yet another cancer. We cover a lot of cancers mm-hmm. on this show. We do. And from birth, for some reason, don't know why, couldn't figure it out, they just called her Nancy. <laughs> <laughs> there was literally no rhyme or reason, they were just... And Francis Robbins, and then they went to Nancy. Nancy. Sure. Um, she was an only child of a car salesman and an actress. Mm. Fun fact, her grandmother was a silent film actress. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So her parents got a divorce when she was young, and she was sent uh, to live with her aunt in Maryland. Um, <laughs> I, just, funny? <laughs> I just think, like... Oh, like your parents got a divorce, you know, do you want to live with mom or do you want to live with dad? No, neither of them want you? Okay, go live with the aunt. Well, I was getting to why. Okay, fine. (laughs) So her mom is traveling around. She's an actress and she's going around for gigs. So she's living with her aunt. But why didn't dad take her? Because he's a piece of shit. I don't know. All men are shit. I'm just saying, it, it was just like, it's horrible, but it just feels like a... All right, well, neither of your parents wanted you, so go live with your aunt. Yeah. But good news is that uh, her mom remarries a neurosurgeon. Oh, and they move to Chicago, where she she stays there to graduate high school. And while she's there, her mom remarries, and she adopts her stepfather's name, Davis. So she officially becomes Nancy Davis, and that's her new name. Sure. And she graduates high school, she has a normal life, and she attends the all-girls school, uh, Smith College in Northampton, sure, um, yep. Massachusetts. Yeah. Uh, she majors in English and drama. Okay. In 1940, at the age of 19, she's working at a department store, but then she's like, I want to be like my mom. I want to become an actress. So she goes and she lands a role on Broadway, a Broadway musical. Wow. Now, this is where strike one on bad bitch list, because if you're keeping count here, this is strike one for her. (laughs) She is cast in the Broadway musical called Lute Song, and it is about Oriental culture. And she got this role because, and I quote, the director said, you look like you could be Chinese. And she was like, yep. And she took the role as a Chinese person on Broadway. So, uh-huh. check one. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, after that, she decided she wanted to be in film instead. So, she goes to Hollywood and she's just gorgeous. So, she just lands all these roles. However, she keeps getting typecast as the housewife. Which she explains isn't too bad. She's, a, she's in 11 films or she's mostly the housewife. She's played it's not too bad because... That's all she really wants to be anyways, is a housewife. Which, there's nothing wrong with that. No. No, there isn't. But she said this, and I quote, I was never really a career woman, but became one only because I hadn't found a man yet. I wanted to marry, but I couldn't sit around and do nothing, so I became an actress. And that's on that. Okay. Yeah. So, while in Hollywood, she is on the board of directors for the Screen Actors Guild. And you will never guess who the president of the Screen Actor Guild was. Ronald Reagan. Well. Oh. And, as we discovered earlier, he's ten years older than her. So, they meet. 
and they fall in love, and they do a movie together. Huh. Yeah. So, apparently, actually, the, the official meet because Nancy's mad because she's on the Hollywood blacklist, and she's like, what's happening? So she goes to Ronald Reagan, and it turns out that she just has the same name as a different actress who was blacklisted. So they ah. fix it, and then she, he's like, well, I'm going to take you on a date, sweetheart. I actually don't know <laughs> what happened. <laughs> But anyways, they fall in love, and Ronald, um, well, he was still going, actually, through his uh, his past messy divorce, so uh-huh. they wait about three years while they're dating to get married on March 4th, 1952. Now, I originally thought, like, oh, they're waiting for the divorce to get final. Well, turns out it was another kind of shotgun wedding, because Nancy was pregnant, and that same year, in October, they had their first child. Uh, Patricia Ann Reagan. Then a few years later, they have their son. Okay. I forgot to write his son's name down, but it's not his story, so whatever. Um, Now, apparently, they have a pretty loving and loyal marriage. Okay. And uh, Nancy's nickname for Ronald Reagan was Ronnie. Uh Uh-huh. It's cute. Uh, In return, Ronald would call her mommy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't, <laughs> I don't like that. No. Yeah, I am no. I am okay with him referring to her as mommy when his children are present. Yeah. And, and when his children are younger. Because, mm-hmm. like, if your 20-year-old kid is in the room and you're like, yeah, mommy's in the kitchen. <laughs> Do you still call your mother mommy? Mm. Yeah. I just, it doesn't... It was a very weird fact that was just kind of thrown in the middle of everything, and it was there was no like, explanation. Maybe I'm a judgy bitch, but it, I, don't, I don't like it. It sounded more like a nickname. Like, it was actually like a nickname. I don't, I don't yeah, like I don't, that. Yeah, I don't, I don't, mm-mm. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> that doesn't count as, a, like, a mark against her, but it kind of does in I'm, my book. It does in my book. <laughs> So, uh, in 1967, I'm skipping way ahead in history because she does a lot of stuff that is kind of irrelevant. Sure. Um, she becomes the first lady of California. Okay. When Reagan becomes the governor of California. Sure. Um, and here is when she actually starts getting her backlash on controversy because she opts, instead of to live in the California gover- governor's mansion, she moves her family out to the suburbs. Okay. She doesn't want to live in the mansion given to the governor. Sure. Now, she says it's because the fire department called it a fire trap. And she was doing it for the safety of her uh, family. But, and that might have been true. Um, she was ridiculed for being snobbish. Sure. And being like, oh, like, you know, like, we, we gave you this nice house for being a governor and you're not going to even use it. Yeah. Well, you know. Maybe it was a fire hazard. I don't know. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> it probably was. It was probably an old house. I, I won't count that as a strike against her. Yeah. Not yet. Not um, yet. <laughs> now, during this time, Ronald Reagan also appoints her to be the California Arts Commission. Okay. Which is nice. Cool. And she does a lot of charity work during this time. Um, so, you know, she's, she's looking like a good, just nice housewife at this point. Now, in 1976, Ronald Reagan decides to run for president of the United States. And during this campaign, Nancy takes um, part of what they called the Battle of the Queens. Okay. And it was just basically Nancy Reagan and Betty Ford kind of bashing each other in the media and press and oh, going gross. back and forth. Yeah, it was very much gross. Yeah. Didn't like that. Women, women support, support women. women. Let your so. husbands fight. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, you're just supposed to, yeah. Mm. Anyways, he lost. Um, (laughs) But he ran again in 1980. And this time, Nancy worked hard during this campaign. She hosted tons of luncheons, rallies, conferences. Um, Even at one point, uh, well, I'll get too onto it later, but she's very controlling. As she fires her husband's campaign manager, but she doesn't tell him. (laughs) Really? She goes... Here's a copy of the press release, and then I'm going to go give an announcement. And so he had to watch her give an announcement that he was fired. Well. Brutal. Yeah, I have heard that she's like Brutal. The, the, the master mastermind behind the Reagan family. Yes. Um, just the fact that she was like, here's the press release. And he probably was reading it while she was announcing it. And then like she got he got to the part that was like, 
I'm fired. <laughs> um, it's like I it feels uh similar to when uh I think it was the twins in Harry Potter, uh, the the Phelps twins, the actors that mm-hmm. played George, friend George. Yeah, I believe one of them. Spoilers if you haven't read or watched the last one. Um, I think they were like on the train when they read the part that they died, <laughs> and they were like, and they, they somebody would like try to talk to them. And they're like, hold on, man, I just died. Oh yeah, that's that sounds what I, I, I yeah, that poor like, guy. Hold on a minute, I was just fired. I, I was just fired. <laughs> oh, poor guy. But I guess it kind of worked out. She made the decision because Ronald Reagan won, and in 1981, Nancy Reagan became the first lady of the United States. Uh-huh. Woo! Uh, we're just I getting into it that. here. Nope. Um, so now, her first act of first lady. What, what do you think? What would you do? Right. Um, obviously, you're going to fix up that ugly old White House and make it a hot <laughs> ticket place to be. Sure. So she did some good reservation reno, renovations. She, like, fixed old pipes, repairing fireplaces, replacing old windows mm-hmm. uh, and wires. Sure. Sure. Uh, however, she also did use the government's money for this, which, I mean, makes sense. You know, it's, it's a government building. Sure. Yeah. Um, but any, but a lot of people were like, she's actually making it worse because she's destroying any historical significance the White House had. In fact, actually, Jackie Kennedy worked really hard to restore yeah. and fix up to make it more historically accurate and, like, save some of, like, the old molding and stuff. And, sure. And uh, Nancy Reagan came in and said, that's ugly. Tear it down. Oh. She uh, took the master bedroom closet. And she converted it into a beauty parlor and dressing room. <laughs> she converted okay. one bedroom into a small gymnasium. Um, eventually, though, the renovations was becoming very costly. So instead, she got a private donation. And by that, I mean a tax-deductible donation, meaning uh-huh. that it, the taxpayers are still kind of paying for it in the uh. long run. Now, during her time as the First Lady, she was known for her extravagance, whether it came to, you know, the redecoration of the White House or uh-huh. her high-end fashion. Yeah. She had very expensive taste. Yeah. She was um, always kind of compared to Jackie Kennedy, but, like, she could never, like, match up. I mean, up. Jackie yeah. Kennedy was Jackie Kennedy. Yeah. But she did have an expensive taste mm-hmm. in stuff. In fact, and she insisted that the White House needed a whole new set of fine china while in office. And this fine china cost $200,009,508. Again, this was through a private uh, tax-deductible donation. Uh-huh. And this was just during the peak of the countrywide economic recession they were in. And cool. she was buying $200,000 of plates. Well, you know, plates are really important, Ari. Yep. I would totally spend $200,000 on plates. Plates, yeah. Oh, but, oh, and fun fact, this is going on around the same time that her husband released a new statement that would allow school lunches to count ketchup as a vegetable. Well. <laughs> Just a fun fact there. Well. She didn't do that, but I'm going to put it as a strike against her right now. Yeah. Um. So this is where her really her reputation of being out of touch, so snob, vain, shallow, really started. In fact, a fun nickname, Queen Nancy, started to go around <laughs> the press. <sighs> so to fix her reputation, she attends this fancy um, fundraising d- d- dinner. The Gurdian dinner. She dresses up as a homeless woman and sings a parody song of secondhand rose called Secondhand Clothes. And she performs in front of everybody. To fix her reputation as a snob, she dressed as a homeless person and sang a song about how people have to get secondhand clothes while she has a closet f- at home full of designer clothes like you couldn't be more dense 
Like this is I and, and, and then about out of touch. and wow. it's, what and yeah. and and they said this fixed her reputation apparently in the media. Everyone thought it was endearing and funny. Yeah, that is horrible. No, like, no. I ugh, I I was bad. appalled yeah, really reading bad. this. Yeah, that's, that's icky. Icky, gross, secondhand clothes, the song, the, the oh, it's all bad. It's all bad. Oh. So, I don't know how that didn't make her reputation worse. Yeah. I guess maybe in today's standards it probably would. Maybe back then they thought it was funny and campy. I don't know. back then they had really bad humor, so. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Boomer humor. So, anyways, during her time as First Lady, she hosted 56 state dinners in the eight years that he was president. Okay. And she was quoted saying this about the dinner parties. And I quote, It's the easiest thing in the world. You don't have to do anything. Just have a good time, do a little business, and that's the way Washington works. Which <laughs> makes sense, coming from her, because apparently a lot of the White House staff highly disliked Nancy Reagan. Yeah, that... She was demanding, she was picky, she was bossy, she was overall very hard to work with. In fact, one of the workers said, and I quote, I remember hearing her call for her personal maid one day, and it scared the dickens out of me. Just her tone. I never wanted to be on the wrong side of her. I mean, you know when something scares the dickens out of someone, that they mean business. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And just to top it all off, she was pro-life and against equal rights amendments, and she either refused to speak on most, um, like, abortion laws mm-hmm. or she was like n- like way against it. yeah 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 um but you know what um that wasn't her biggest fault because well this episode is about drugs <laughs> and about weed 420 blaze it so we're gonna talk about nancy reagan's biggest campaign and why she is our main bad bitch of the week so this is uh we're gonna get into it it's 1980s, and there's a, kind of a new drug coming up. It's called crack. I don't know if you heard it. <laughs> it's a highly addictive form of cocaine, and it's sweeping through the countries, especially affecting lower poverty areas, which are where prominent black communities. But instead of really focusing on mostly the that harmful drugs, but it was a big part of it, she also decided to throw weed in there as well to yeah. make it more scary. Yeah. And this little girl comes up to her and she goes, oh, Nancy Reagan, what do I do if someone offers me drugs? And Nancy Reagan smiled at her and she said, you just say no. Uh And so the Just Say No campaign was born. Apparently, um, she then started to travel all around the country with her Just Say No campaign. She visited schools. She made appearances on TVs, on talk shows, on radio shows. She visited several drug um, rehabilitation centers. She even appeared on the sitcom Different Strokes to spread her message of Just Say No. Mm -hmm. And as well as being super fucking cringy, she starred in a rock music video called (laughs) Stop the Madness. Oh, good lord. Now I know, some of you might be thinking, Ari, what is, why does this make her a bad bitch? Like, she's trying to stop drugs. She's trying to save the kids from going down the life of drugs. Mm-hmm. She's doing a good thing. All right, well, let's, let me break it down. Uh, for starters, her whole campaign was just based around this phrase and breaking down a very complex situation into a simple phrase, just say no. The whole campaign was to warn kids of, you know, the dangers of drugs, especially, you know, Mary J, because that was the gateway drug. Yeah, the gateway drug. Mm -hmm. While completely ignoring social issues associated with the increased drug use, including poverty, unemployment, and family dissolution. And on top of it, um, all with the influence from, you know, his wife... Uh, Ronald Reagan passed the Anti-Drug Abuse Act bill. It ensured a mandatory minimum penalty for drug offenses, in which we know that, you know, 
weed is classified as one of the hard hardcore yeah. class one drugs, which uh, led to the um basically the unlawful arrest of millions of people of color and a lot who are still in jail today for possession of weed. Mm-hmm. This was just the extra push too that uh, Nixon had for that war on drugs. So uh, because the bill was passed. The prison penalties for drug crimes increased from 50,000 in 1980 to 400,000 by 1997. That's like more than double. Mm-hmm. That's triple. Mm-hmm. Quadrupled. That's math. <laughs> That's math. So, um, and again, like I said, this still affects us today. In fact, in a study, they found that 2.3 million people are currently right now in prison for nonviolent crimes of that nonviolent crimes more than half of them are in for drug offenses mm-hmm. and half of the drug offenses are weed mm-hmm. yeah i i mean i'm an abolitionist so i think our prison system so fucking broken we just need to get Demolish rid of it all it. together yeah, and I agree. start over mm-hmm. um but no one should be in jail for, for no Absolutely not. So while her campaign raised the awareness of the drug problem in America, it did not help in the long run. Because it definitely, apparently, all of a sudden, everyone was like, we have a drug problem. And it's like, yeah, we kind of always did, but okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, this led to the good old D.A.R.E. program. And if you're a millennial like us, you probably had D.A.R.E. Did you go to D.A.R.E., Katie? I did go to D.A.R.E. Yeah. Yeah. And it... Studies have shown time and time again that D.A.R.E., the D.A.R.E. program, does not work. For those that don't live in America, the D.A.R.E. program is when a police officer would come in, usually with a briefcase of fun drugs, um, (laughs) (laughs) and then explain all the horrors and why you shouldn't do drugs. And then he, at the end, he would give out T-shirts and stickers and little plushies, and you get to take a picture with a D.A.R.E. lion. Like, it was all a thing. And in the end, you had to take a pledge that you were never going to do drugs. We also, we had a, a super fun day where a sniffer dog came to us. Ooh, school. you had the dog? And, yeah, and we got, like, I think a couple of kids were given, like, a ball of treats to go and, like, hide somewhere in the school parking lot. And the dog got to sniff and find it. Okay, or I love that, like though, that. actually. <laughs> yeah, like, the dog was really Yeah, cool. the dog was, like, best part. I love police dogs. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, good boys. All dogs are good dogs. And yeah. if I get to see one i am in true so thanks dare for showing me a dog in school (laughs) (laughs) so um so in hindsight you might think oh that their program sounds good they're telling kids don't do drugs just say no remember just say no um i mean also thinking back on it though i did take a pledge not to do drugs i only ever done weed And I have been offered, like, a bazillion types of drugs at this point, so... I feel like I've only been offered weed. Um, okay. I I have... Just in the last four months. Well, I mean, I also do lots of caffeine, because coffee and caffeine's technically a drug. Yeah. Just in the last months, I have been offered Coke, Poppers, Acid, uh, Molly, um, what's the other one? Ecstasy, and... Something else. Acid? They say acid? And mushrooms. Acid. Mushrooms was the other one. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> and I was said Ari no. Ari just said no. Yeah, I just said no. Which leads me to believe that weed is not, in fact, a gateway drug. It, it, exactly. I mean, it's not. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Yeah, she's trying to, like, tell my story before I'm even done. <laughs> <laughs> my bad. <laughs> um, all right, so... So speaking of weed, like I said, big part of her campaign was to get kids not to do weed because she blamed very normal, regular teenage behavior on weed. She was like, "Are they? Are your kids not doing chores? Are your kids like going to school late and not getting homework done? Is he staying out late? Are they getting fights with the family? Are they forgetting family events and parties?" Are they talking back to you? Are they having a personality change? Oh, well, they might be on the weed. It's not puberty and hormones. Definitely it's not that. marijuana. Definitely marijuana. <laughs> <laughs> but like future 
studies would show that, like we just said a few minutes ago, weed is not the gateway drug um, at all. <laughs> because most people who start on, uh, like, opiates or heroin, they actually get addicted from painkillers, prescription medicine. Mm-hmm. From the doctor. That's how most addictions start. And I've seen, um, I've read, it's been a while, but I've read articles that weed actually helps people to stop Stop. opioids. Yes, yes. (laughs) Um, Now, every day, about 75 people die of heroin or fentanyl or other painkillers in America. But nobody ever dies of weed. And much like our sex education, abstinence doesn't always work especially with teenagers because teenagers are curious they're rebellious they want to they're humans they're gonna do drugs at some point so being they showed that the kids who were shown the dare programs or anti-drug programs were just as likely to try drugs as the kids who weren't shown the anti-drug programs in fact some of them is even more likely to do the drugs (laughs) Um, and yeah, scientists have proved way before this campaign even started that weed wasn't bad for you. It's not addictive. It never killed anybody. In fact, Nixon's administration knew this all along, Mm -hmm. um, but they needed a way to shut down minority groups. Now this quote I actually got because I was watching Adam Ruins Everything, which is, I love that show. And he has a very real quote in the show, but I actually then looked up the quote And I got the longer version of the quote um, from Nixon's, um, his, one of his administrations. He was the White House domestic affairs advisors. And he said, and I quote, and this is a real fucking quote, by the way. You want to know what this war on drugs was really about? The Nixon campaign in 1968 and the Nixon White House after that had two enemies, the anti-war left and black people. You understand what I'm saying? We couldn't. Uh, we knew we couldn't make it illegal to either be against the war or be black, but by getting the public to associate the hippies with marijuana and blacks with heroin, and then criminalizing both heavily, we could disrupt those communities, we could arrest their leaders, raid their homes, break up their meetings, and vilify them night after night on the evening ne- on the evening news. Did we know we were lying lying about the drugs? Of course we did. Period. <laughs> big, big ol' oof. So. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where, like, <clears throat> you know it. But to hear someone say, say it, it in exact words. Words, exact like, words. Oh, God, that was really just a thing that was said that just confirmed, okay, okay, yeah. okay. Because they were like, okay. this is what they're doing. They're like, no, it's not. And he's like, the, 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 the administrator no, literally said it. <laughs> Hey, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. To quote um, the less, uh, her name is Les Payne in the Detroit Free Press in 1986. It sums up the Just Say Can't, well, the Just Say campaign perfectly. So she said, and I quote, the Just Say, Just Say No sounds just fine as the advice given to privileged youngsters who are offered candy by strangers. But when the first lady suggests the phrase as a final solution to youthful drug abuse, it smacks a gross ignorance of street addiction, peer pressure, and the agony that drives poor children, especially, to the bottle, the needle, and the pipe. Mm -hmm. So that's that on this Just Say No campaign. But I have so much more shit about Nancy Reagan so, I know this is a weed episode, but I still got shit on her. Yeah, it's just, it's so frustrating that it was just so reductionist and just, like, all drugs are equally terrible. Yeah. But, like, I bet Nancy enjoyed a glass of wine now and then. Mm-hmm. And alcohol kills more people in the U.S. Alcohol is way more dangerous. Way more dangerous. Yeah. The yeah. fact that doctors can prescribe opioids and anyone... 21 plus can, can go and get, get handles of yeah. alcohol but like weed is still frowned upon yeah blows my mind i have a few kids in from my high school and i'm only graduated 10 years ago who have died of overdosing yeah. and of alcohol poisoning yeah. like it's fucked up i have no one's ever died of weed yeah so. i think like the worst thing i've ever done on weed is slept for several hours 
and mm. probably ate some questionable snacks. Yeah, like I couldn't focus in one class because I was too high. It was the one that we took together. I had to drop it. That was probably the worst that ever happened to me because of weed. Philosophy of the mind. The philosophy of the mind was a lot. It was a yeah sober. It, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, that I was, gave that up. That was a class. I was like, okay, this sounds like a fun class. Let's take it together. We should not have taken a class together in the first place. Well, you bailed very quickly. And I, I stuck through. <laughs> well, so it was funny that we would just pass notes back to each other in college, mind you. Oh, yeah. We would sit in the back corner and pass notes. And at one point, it was on, it was not the S- SSU Crushes. It was the other one, SSU Gossip. Or it was like yeah, where you could like sure. gossip on yeah. people. Because, by the way, oh, I don't think we've ever mentioned that you're a gossip that, girl, that have I was we? the gossip girl of Salem State. I Katie had a Twitter called SSU Crushes. <laughs> And it was basically Gossip Girl. It was great when I ran it. And yeah. And then we passed mm. it off and it was okay. And but. It was okay. But in the Gossip uh, Twitter, one of them was like, the girls next to me are passing notes in class. What is this? High school. And then I was like, I wonder if she was talking about me and Katie. <laughs> <laughs> but I was so high. I was like, whatever. <laughs> we also wrote Mark the plastic bag when we were really high uh, and that was an award-winning film. oh award-winning an award-winning it went to uh, it went to georgia's film festival um and I, I recently showed it to um my in-laws <laughs> on vacation well like des and my, mm-hmm. my sisters and, and brothers-in-law um it was a hit they were thrilled they loved it. um it's a great movie it was, it's okay iconic. it's yeah you know what well maybe we'll post it on our facebook and anyone who wants to watch mark the plastic bag so getting <laughs> getting back to Nancy Reagan because I have I have more shit. Um, so I mean, on top of all of that, just say no campaign. Nancy Reagan apparently had a lot of control over her husband during this time. Yeah, and she likes to say it was because he there was assassination attempts on his life, and there was, and he was shot, and he went to the hospital, but. She was way controlling way before this. I've heard that without Nancy, he wouldn't have been governor. He wouldn't have been president. No, she, like, did everything for him. she was the puppet master. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. She felt anxious when she wasn't around him. She made access to the president close close to impossible. She even went as far to schedule and rearrange most of his meetings. Now, how do you think she... How do you think she scheduled his meetings? Like... What is your guess? Like, what do you, what do you? <laughs> I, I don't know how to schedule meetings, sorry. So, 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 so before she scheduled anything, anything for uh-huh. him, uh-huh. she would call up this lady in San Francisco who was an astrologer and she would make sure that the planets and the stars were aligned before she made any important decisions. <laughs> She would refuse or reschedule a meeting if the horoscope lady, the astrologer, said, like, oh, no, today's going to be a bad day. Like, she would, she took that shit fucking serious. Yeah. And so, like, we mentioned, like, oh, there, this is their zodiac sign and things like that. Yeah. And, like, I feel like some of the, the <laughs> there are things that are influenced by the moon and the stars and the tides and whatever. Yeah. Horoscopes are, uh, they're fun to read. When I started this episode, this research, I didn't expect that Nancy Reagan was an astrology girl. (laughs) 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 That she did most of her meetings because of that. You know. Bonkers. Wild. And that was one of the one of the lists. I, like I at actually, one point, I just looked up. I, it's absolutely wild, but I kind of love. It. I love it. I literally looked up uh, reasons why Nancy Reagan was the worst, right? <laughs> and one of them was like, "Well, here's some controversies." And one of them was like, "She was an astrologer." <laughs> Anyways, apparently this caused riff with all the White House staff and other officials. That's I mean, could you fair. imagine? What do you mean we can't meet with him because the moon's in Gemini? Well, you know. Ooh, but also, I don't know. I don't think I could have a meeting when the moon's in Gemini. I mean, I mean think about that. Know. Think about that cosmic tension. I just, the wishy-washiness of it. The I two-facedness just, yeah, of it. They probably couldn't even make a decision anyway. So they might as well just wait till it's in Cancer, you know? It, I mean, that's fair. Yeah. It, it's very reasonable. <laughs> and she said, because... 
she was been criticized about it. So she said this about being an astrologer in her memoirs later. And I quote, Astrology was simply one of the ways I coped with the fear I felt after my husband almost died. Was astrology one of the reasons further attempts did not occur? I don't really believe it was, but I also don't really believe it wasn't. (laughs) End quote. So, <laughs> she's like, he, there was no other assassination attempt after I started taking over. So, I mean, you know, just saying. Yeah, she was like, that one meeting was in Aries season with the moon in fucking Scorpio. That shit's time to explode. <laughs> she's like, that's why he was shot. I'm just saying. <laughs> Oh, okay, okay. So, uh, yeah, so she was she 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 was in charge of his scheduling. Heavily influenced his decision making as well, as we already saw with the just say no campaign because yeah. she literally got him to pass a bill. Now, uh, she kind of denies that she was ha- she was the power behind the throne. She doesn't she doesn't think that. Sure. She was like, oh, that's what the press likes to call me, but I, I don't have that much say. But also, she went and said this, and I quote. However, the First Lady fits in. She has a unique, important role to play in looking after her husband. It's only natural that she'll let him know what she thinks. I always did that for Ronnie, and I always will. So, you know. Now, um, even after Reagan's pregnancy, she makes appearance on his behalf. Most of the time. And when awards are given to, like, him, they're, they're also kind of given to her. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the bigger things the Reagans ignored heavily because they were so focused on that war on drugs was what you mentioned in your story, the AIDS epidemic. Uh, and during the story, Reagan, they literally ignored it would refuse to even mention it. In fact, they did um, a massive budget cut to the public health agencies, such yeah. as the Center of Disease Control. Mm-hmm. And people were like, hello, do something. And they literally were not listening. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, the whole thing is super fucking homophobic. And um, it's not his story, so I won't completely tell you everything Ronald Reagan said, because there was a fuck sh- shit. But most of it was around the lines of homosexuality is a sin and God was sending down a plague to rid them of their sins. Yeah. Yeah. And one time, Nancy's hairdresser, who was a gay man, came to did her hair, and she took a sip accidentally from his water bottle. And right after, she went running to her doctors, and afraid that she got the disease. And he was like, you can't get AIDS like that. And she's like, are you sure? How do you know? How do you really know, though? So, finally, they couldn't ignore it any longer, though, but by the time they actually did um, address the epidemic, it was too late. Yeah. It was way too late. Yeah. And then they were out of office, so they just stopped caring. Mm -hmm. So, they could have done something, and they knew it was happening for years, and they chose to ignore it. It's part of the reason that I thought Mary Jane was such a great good bitch to your bad bitch, because she was pro-weed and pro-helping the AIDS patients. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and, um, and Nancy was like, nah. and Nancy was like, "Ew, patience." Yeah, exactly. Ugh. So you know, the end of their presidency, and they moved to Bel Air, Los Angeles, where a wealthy friend bought them a mansion in Bel Air. So they spend half of the rest of their life in Bel Air, and the other half on the Reagan Ranch in Santa Barbara. Ari- why have you never bought me a mansion? I'm sorry, Katie. Because <laughs> I'm a horrible friend. Fake friend. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, um, they don't really do too much after this, to be honest. Oh, except Nancy founds the Nancy Reagan Foundation. Um, she teams up with the Best Foundation for a drug-free tomorrow, which was just another campaign to spread awareness and of substance abuse and speaking to children all across America. But the best is yet to come because karma do be coming. <laughs> so in 1989, the same year our Lord and Savior Taylor Swift was born, 
Oh, yeah. The IRS went after the Reagans for not claiming on their taxes any gifts and loans of high fashion clother- clothing and jewels gifted to the First Lady during her time as First Lady. In fact, the IRS determined and billed the Reagan about $3 million worth of fashion from the years 1983 to 1988. And they had to pay it. They paid it. That's Which is so much money. Very ironic because in the same year, she was awarded the Council of Fashion Designers of America's Lifetime Achievement Awards. Okay. So she was she was awarded a, an award for fashion that she didn't pay for and yeah. didn't claim on her taxes. Yeah. Three million dollars. Oh, but remember, she dressed as a homeless woman, so it, it's okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Gross. Yeah. Now, despite all of this, she's still seen as a good woman and a great first lady, and she was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom and the Congressional Gold Medal during uh, President Bush's administration. Bush, yeah. Yeah, exactly. She was also given the Honorary Doctorate Law Degree from uh, Pepperin University. And, uh, yeah, and Ronald Reagan dies in 2004. Mm -hmm. She completely controls the funeral much like she controls the rest of his life um now after this however she did turn decide to turn her research for good um he had alzheimer's disease okay so she um donated a lot of money to sell um stem cell research okay and a lot of people kind of turned and was like oh but you don't Approve abortions. I was going to say, yep. that's a very interesting mm-hmm. stance for a pro-life person. She came out and she said it and she said, well, this is different. Abortion is way different than than stem cells. And people were like, no. I mean, like, <laughs> yes, but. It, uh, yeah, that was her only argument was she, it was like, it's different. It's different. It's not the same. It's different. This benefits me. Yeah, that's exactly. And it, it. doesn't hurt. Like, I can't hurt poor people. Yeah. So it benefits me. It's fine. Mm-hmm. I knew as soon as I said that, you had that look on your face. I was like, yep, mm-hmm. that's exactly what the articles also yeah. said. <laughs> yeah, that's... Uh, but now, she did promote McCain during the race against Obama, which we all know he lost. So, mm. um, But she lives a pretty normal life. She actually, I guess at one point, uh, Michelle Obama, like, they talk and they have a cute friendship, I guess. <laughs> yeah, there's like a weird bond with first ladies and presidents yeah. that like I don't get, but okay. But yeah, she she mostly promotes Republicans. Yeah. And she does some fundraising. She hosts parties, she talks to people, she has a good time. She you know she lives the life, rest of her life in Santa Barbara or Bel Air in extreme wealth and, and happiness. She's a rich old white lady. Yep. Until yeah. her health suffered and on March 6, 2016 at the age of 94. Wow. Um uh, she died of heart failure and a thousand people attended her funeral and wow. gave her their respects. So that's the story of Nancy Reagan. Maybe she's a good bitch, maybe she's a bad bitch. Definitely had bad. some bad bitch Definitely, yeah, yeah. I had <laughs> one article that, oh my, this nun said this. It was a quote. It was like, um, I think Nancy and Ray, R- Ronald are burning in hell. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> I was like, holy shit. And it was like, okay. said sister, whatever. Yeah. I was like, okay. <laughs> that was a harsh quote. <laughs> but yeah, I hope I did it justice. I thought you did a great job. Thank you. I tried. I struggled very hard with this story. Yeah, so. <laughs> I, she was a heavy story, and because it's just a, such a different story than well, I'm and used just to. Because she was, she was only the first lady. So did she really control him? And like, you know, she she just wanted kids to not do drugs. Like she, so many people think that she's still good, but like. Yeah. She well, her actions caused bad things to happen. And I I doubt her motivation was purely let's keep kids off drugs. Yeah. Uh-huh. You yeah. You know, it was I my reputation's not great. Yeah. And this, you know, super reductionist policy of just say no can, you know, boost me in the ratings and all I have to do is say no. I can yeah. do that. Yeah. Uh, More acting gigs? Oh, hell yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> that's a really good point. Well, so there you go. That was my story. Hope you liked it. <laughs> I am still so jealous you got to cover Nancy Reagan, but you did a great job. And uh, what fantastic 420 choices. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, happy 420. Blaze it all day long if you want. If, if you, you don't want. If it's legal in your area. Yeah. <laughs> Only if it's legal. Only if it's legal. Otherwise, we do not condone it. Yes, once again, we... <laughs> um, all right. Where can they find yeah, us? Yeah, where can they find us? They can find us at all of the usual places. All of them. Um, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at GBBB Podcast. That's three Bs. Um, you can join our Facebook group, Good Bitch, Bad Bitch Podcast. Um, feel free to share things... Message yeah. us things, you start conversation, tell us like, oh my god, in that last episode, you know how they talked about X? Yeah. So cool, Kelsey right? Kelsey does that. Kelsey messaged me the other day and was very excited I covered Ruth Wakesfield. Well, <laughs> tell her to post it in the group next time. That's, you know what, maybe I should. You Kelsey, should. I know you're listening to this, <laughs> so I want you to go to Facebook and, or Instagram, or just email it to us, Kelsey. <laughs> <laughs> Which you can do at goodbebadbepodcast at gmail.com. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, and if you're financially able, you can support us on Patreon. It's patreon.com backslash podcast. That's three Bs. It's $2 oh, a month. That. It is still three Bs, though. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you'll get a nice little sticker and a little handwritten note from us. And lots of love and appreciation from us. Yes. Which is priceless. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can leave us good reviews or terrible reviews if for some reason you've listened to 41 episodes and decide we're terrible um, on Instagram and Spotify. Yeah. And um, yeah, yeah, tell your friends. Guess, yeah, that's it. And then we will see you next week. Yes, next week. And, and by and... see you, I mean talk in your general direction. Yeah. Again, happy 420. Bye, friends. Plays it. Are you a good witch or a bad witch? Bad witch. Bad, bad, bad. bad. Are you a good witch? Or a bad witch? Me? I'm not a f***er at all. Are you a good witch? Or a bad witch? Me? I'm not a f***er at all. Are you a good witch?